0: All right. Hey, hello. Welcome to the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I am John Schofield, former PAO at the Naval Academy. Joining me as always is our co-host, Ward Carroll, class of 82, and also joining us as always is our special guest contributor, Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. Bill um, was nominated as one of the Maryland Sports Writers of the Year. And you know we put out a tweet to this effect, but, but let me follow it up with a little bit of emotion. It's, it's because he does what he does and he doesn't want fanfare for it. He works for you know the Tribune Company, who absolutely messes with you know these journalists and does not give them the support that they require. And and still he he churns out amazing work every single day, every single week. From us to you, we really do appreciate what you do in the face of r- ridiculousness. What does it mean to you? It's a great honor. If I win, um, I'll be thrilled.
1: They, if you go back and look at the list of past honorees, it's pretty prestigious list, including such people like John Stedman, and uh, I mean, I could go on and on. There's some pretty prestigious journalists from the state of Maryland on that list of past winners, so it'd be a nice little thing to have on the resume after 31
0: years in the biz. Well, we appreciate what you do, and, and I know all the readers appreciate what you do, too. So one of the big breaking news things this week was the fact that for the third week in a row, we had a football game canceled. Wags, starting and off before we kick it to Ward, were you surprised at the cancellation of South Florida and what do you think it means for the future?
1: Nothing should surprise you in this day and age and with where college football is going, but South Florida's kind of been chugging along playing games despite having some COVID issues. And so, no, you know, I mean, we've been so focused on Navy and its problem that we figured once Navy got through its coronavirus outbreak and got to the other side that we were all good. And then out of nowhere, we get the announcement that the game can't be be played because of South Florida has issues, which I know that all season they've been battling it. They barely were able to play Houston this past weekend. Their coach said if they'd lost one more player to either injury or COVID, they wouldn't have played the game. So they've been on the edge for quite some time. But um, I, I mean, I don't know, John, three weeks now without a game three straight games canceled it it doesn't trend well and I talked to Chuck Gladchuck at length on Wednesday when the word came out uh and he's getting worried the Army Navy game is just so important economically to the Naval Academy to the Naval Academy Athletic Association um he he can't afford to have that game canceled On the one hand, he's glad that Navy football is not traveling anymore. Uh, As of now, it appears American Athletic Conference is going to have Navy play Memphis and Tulsa at home over the next two weekends. That would be Saturday, November 28th and Saturday, December 5th. And being home helps. But Chet is very, very concerned about making it to December 12th with a football team that can travel up to West Point and play Army
0: at Mikey Stadium. So Ward, this happens uh, uh, against a, a, a landscape where Michigan State and Maryland has been canceled, and the Maryland head coach Mike Loxley, is tested positive for COVID. Um, you have all sorts of other games getting canceled. You have all sorts of other pro players testing positive. What do you think this means and your evaluation of the financial impact of this? I know that we talked about this when we previously recorded the pod, when we thought the South Florida game was happening and then we had to scrap it, but I thought we had a really good dialogue back and forth about what this meant financially. And if we could play the masters in November, when it's typically played in April, why can't we play the army Navy game in January when it's typically played in December? If it means this much, You know, can can we not then value the health and safety of the cadets and midshipmen and play it later? Um, You know, do you think money is driving this train or do you think safety is driving this train? I'd be interested in your take.
2: Well, obviously, safety is driving this train because we're canceling games. Um, And I think that that's appropriate. So two parts of the question there. I think the landscape of COVID is going to get worse before it gets better. And so um, because of that, um, I you know I have my doubts as to whether we're going to play the balance of the season or not uh, and that would include the Army Navy game. I, I don't know what happens between now and then in the surrounding atmosphere to to make it more doable in the same, things that have canceled the last three weeks are still around us. So at the same time, you know, being on the chain gang, AAC has, has had the chain gang order test kits for the November 28th game. So, you know, if that's an indicator of uh, whether the game's going to happen or not, there you go. You know? Um, So I, I hope we play Memphis and Tulsa. I hope, we play Army, but we've. This is the second time we've recorded this show this week, right? Because we thought we were playing USF. Now we're not. Um, as you just mentioned, you know, other teams are affected by COVID. Coaches are affected. Staffs are affected. Student bodies are affected. The whole nation, you know, it, as we are hearing, the COVID spike now is worse than the one we had in in April. In terms of the financial piece, I, I can't speak to the exact impact or exactly what the television revenue is for the army Navy game. Uh, Maybe Wags knows, but what I do know is Wags has talked to Chet and Chet said, Hey, we're going to play it, you know, on on the 12th and that's it. There's no wiggle room. It's not going to slide to the right. I don't know if he's saying that because it's logistically impossible or we need to realize those, that television revenue to make, to make the books work this calendar year. I don't know. We've had Chad on the show. He's not a cards close to his chest kind of guy. He'll tell you what, what what's on his mind. And I, I think he was an honest broker then. And I think he would be an honest broker going forward in terms of you know this loss of revenue. How is it going to impact our friends at NAAA?
3: I wanted to ask, um, I understand um, the process for canceling American Athletic Conference games Who cancels the army Navy game? Um, You know, who makes that call? Is that a, is that a Chet and, you know, the army version of Chet uh, decision? I mean, so that's just between the two schools, right? And so um, let me just walk this a little bit further out. So for the AAC games have been canceled because of numbers of players that are unable to play as a result of COVID. Does that calculus change when it's just army and Navy, I mean, do you just suit up the 60 or so dudes that you can get and have whatever game you can just so that it's the army Navy game, assuming that there isn't a safety issue, but, but I mean, we're, we're not doing that. Right. I mean, cause we could suit up 50 dudes um, on either side and, and play, but, but it's just been the number of folks that have either had COVID or been um, had some sort of tracing effect that, that didn't play. So I, I mean, Essentially you could just you could commit to playing Army Navy right now and just fill it with 50 dudes that can play football. Is that is my thinking off there?
0: No, I think it's it's right on. And and this gets right to Wags's article earlier in the week and again we're we're referencing a previous recording which had to be thrown out because of the, you know, the change in the football schedule, but we you know, we 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 talked at length about the fact that Hey, how how do you do this? How, How do you, how do you manage this going forward? And, and what decisions do you make? Um, and who trumps whom? Um, you know, and, and can we say if we were not an institution grounded in character and ethics and an honor code, do we just say, Hey, we have too many COVID cases for the rest of the AAC schedule and we just play the Army Navy game? Um, to Wags's point in the article, do we just build a bubble around the football team, stop playing the AAC schedule, and just play Army? We're not like that.
1: The bottom line is they started a college football season, and they're going to try to get to the finish line. They may not. I mean, circumstances just may put an end to it all. I will say this. The American Athletic Conference and all of its member schools have been... Uh, at the forefront of safety and cautiousness and making sure they don't put student athletes in danger and they have canceled games left and right. Whenever they deem that the situation was not under control Um, to Chris's point, I think the way it works is they look at each game, each team individually. And here's the, the, the deal you do, you have your COVID situation under control. Do you, know exactly who is out and who is not. And if that is the case and you have enough players to play the game, you have to play the game. And the players who are out either due to positive tests or contact tracing, they stay in isolation back home and you go with the players that are healthy. Now, in the case of Navy, the two games of Navy that were postponed, Navy the Naval Academy did not have its covid situation under control. They could not say definitively we have 25 players out due to the positive tests and contact tracing. It was an ongoing developing situation and that's why the game was canceled. They could not know for sure if Navy played a game what was they were bringing to the field. And so, you know, I don't think anybody's being wanton disregarding Safety and they've shown it. They've canceled game, which means lost revenue. Any American Athletic Conference game that's not played is going to be lost revenue. Chet said South Florida is not going to be made up. There's it's just not going to happen. Right now, the AAC is focusing on having Navy make up Tulsa, Memphis, South Florida, which is one and seven. Navy's not going to play them. That's lost revenue. At the end of the season, the ESPN, the partner with American Athletic Conference, is going to go back and say. You did not play eight total games and the deal is renegotiated and you're not getting as much money, which all it means all the member schools aren't getting as much money. But they're willing to do that to make sure people stay safe. And then we get to Army-Navy game. It's going to be the same thing. Chet and Mike and his counterpart at Army are not going to do anything to endanger their student-athletes or anyone else in the in- orbit of that game. And that's why they're concerned. They are trying to do whatever they can to make sure that both institutions, football teams, Army and Navy, get to that kickoff in a safe manner. Because something that, like what's happened the last three weeks where games are canceled two and three days beforehand, cannot happen prior to Army-Navy or it's going to be a bad situation. If you tell CBS three days before December 12th, oh, it doesn't look like we're going to be able to play it's not going to be
3: good. Are the Navy football players uh, participating in organized practice? Is that still going on? Um, that, that was unclear to me. I know at, at one point they were not. Um, it, are they still preparing, you know, for next week's game now, Wax? Navy football stopped. They paused football
1: activities for well over a week. Um, they have resumed football activities. They resumed last Friday, and they have been practicing regularly since last Friday. And the other element that we need to mention here is that the superintendent of the Naval Academy and the commandant of Midshipmen have now restricted liberty. There is no more liberty for the brigade of Midshipmen. They were successfully had created a bubble for the entire brigade of Midshipmen that worked quite well for a long time. And liberty without restrictions brought COVID back onto the campus and it spread like wildfire. So now Liberty
0: is over and they're going to be restricted to campus and they're going to try to rebuild the bubble. Yeah. Decisions made in this regard have second and third order effects. And, you know, just yesterday, Coastal Carolina is the latest school to come out with, um, hey, we, we were able to do the cost benefit analysis. We avoided eliminating, you know, any of the 19 intercollegiate sports that we have, but we had to cut. At least seven assistant coaching positions and additional support staff, SID staff, support staff, goalkeeping coaches in soccer, um, women's volleyball assistants, recruiting coordinators, you know, golf and tennis program assistant coaches. So, you know, decisions that are made with regard to revenue generating sports, like for us, Army, Navy game, and the Navy football schedule on CBS sports. Um, those decisions then have um, impacts on assistant coaches with the women's and men's soccer teams, with volleyball, with men's and women's rifle, so on and so forth. And we've prided ourselves on giving athletes, both men and women, an amazing opportunity to play sports. Does this then permanently impact our ability to do the physical mission the way that we've we've advertised for years and years and years? Or can we like can we make lemonade out of the lemons? They will have to make a decision.
3: We will have to make a decision as, as uh, donors and as grads and as supporters, we will have to either, you know, dig into our pockets and figure out how to cover the losses or accept that there will have to be decisions made because there isn't the money that they thought they were going to get. I mean, this is like, this is the real world, right? I mean, this is a business. Um, My hope is that in the end that, grads will step up and and cover the the lost revenue so that we don't cut sports and we don't cut positions and things like that. Because I I do think as somebody that went to school there and, and is remains a huge Navy fan, um, I do think that all of that is important and and I think it's not important from an entertainment uh, standpoint. It's important from a producing leaders of consequence to go out into the fleet standpoint. And so again, it's time for us to put our money where our our mouth is, you know, and and if we can um, keep, you know, keep things afloat until we can get back to normal. I don't think that's any different um, for the Naval Academy than it is at any other school, right? I mean, you, you have a Maryland T-shirt on tonight. I think Maryland's probably, you know, running through the same calculus. Other schools are running through the same calculus, and so either their donors will cover it
0: uh, or they won't. And Wags, I'll give you the last word on this. You know, as as, as an objective observer, now you you have covered this from a journalistic perspective for years and years and years, and that's why you've been nominated as the Sports Writer of the Year. But, you know, you have a unique objective perspective here. What's your thought? Chuck Gladchuck, I've had this discussion with him numerous times. He will not cut
1: sports. He understands the mission of the Naval Academy. He understands the importance of 33 varsity sports to executing the physical mission. He'll do everything possible before he cuts sports. He'll cut positions he'll cut budgets, he'll cut capital projects, he'll fundraise, he'll do whatever it takes to make sure no varsity sports are cut. So that, that isn't happening. You know, I don't think NAAA is in dire, dire straits. Has it been hit hard financially? Yes. And Chet has weathered the storm before and he'll tighten the belt as needed and make cuts wherever needed to make sure the Navy, Naval Academy continues to have 33 sports.
0: The, the other sports that are affected by this, the other revenue generating sports on the horizon have games that are supposed to happen next week. Uh, the Naval Academy women's team, women's basketball team is supposed to play George Mason on Friday, a week from Friday during Thanksgiving weekend. Um, the Naval Academy men's basketball team is supposed to play the George Washington Colonials on Wednesday and then play the maryland terrapins on friday so we'll break those down a little bit with pete medhurst when he joins us um, in a later segment we'll also talk about the women's basketball team with ashley pelzik class of 06 but before we do it's time for us to recap how we did on our predictions ward brought up the masters that was played in uh, november instead of april we had made predictions last week um, I have the money list up, as I tweeted out to our, to our many, many fans. We're going to do kind of an earnings competition between the four of us. Uh, so the Masters, notably won by Dustin Johnson with a pretty remarkable 20 under par, which was record-setting. Also record-setting, which I didn't know before, was that Cameron Smith, uh, the young kid from Australia, who came in second. Uh, logged the first ever four rounds at the Masters in the 60s, which I couldn't believe was true, but apparently is. Um, But most importantly, let's review who everyone picked. I know that uh, Chris Cervello had John Rahm, who won $358,000. I had Mark Leishman, who won $215,000. Ward, refresh our memory. Who was your pick?
2: I said a journeyman, but let me just manifest or or I'll make that Chucky three sticks. Charles the third was my
0: guy. Oh, Chucky, Chucky three. Um, he was T46 and finished with $33,000. So Ward is bringing up the caboose thus far, <laughs> because I think Bill Wagner picked DJ. Am I right? Negative. <laughs>
1: Negatory. No, I, I brought up DJ. My exact quote, which I'm ruining to this day is that I would go with the hot hand, and Dustin Johnson just came back from a COVID break because he couldn't play because of COVID uh, positive tests, and he did real well at the Houston Open, so I liked DJ, but then I had to go and change my mind and say Bryson DeChambeau, who sucked. He, he did make the weekend,
0: but I don't think he made a lot of money. Uh, and I did know that, and I just couldn't resist the temptation to rub your face and the change of your pick. Bryson uh, finished T-34 with $62,000. So at the end of week one and the term of this competition, the winner gets, I don't know, a free Zoom call. Uh, at the end of this competition, we're going to go from masters to masters If COVID, uh, you know, unless COVID changes everything as it shows that it can um, we're gonna we're gonna take this competition through the tournaments, the major tournaments um, between the Masters that was just played and the Masters as it's scheduled for two thousand twenty one in March. So, Chris Cervello in first place, myself in second, uh, Bryson DeChambeau Jr. over there at the Annapolis Capitol in third, and Ward bringing up the caboose. A uh, reminder that this podcast is brought to you by Mills Fine Wine and Spirits, uh, located right down there in uh, City Dock area, owned by two 1994 Naval Academy graduates Jerry and Jen Donahoe. Thanksgiving is on the horizon. Please consider Mills Fine Wine and Spirits for your COVID coping mechanisms. This is Sing Second Sports. We are going to break. We'll be right back.
3: If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, please shoot us a DM at WeSingSecond. That's at WeSingSecond. There are a number of national and local sponsorships still available.
0: All right. Hey, hey, we're back from break. Thank you for sticking with Sing Second Sports. Joining us again, repeat guest, Ashley Pelzik, native of Boston, Massachusetts, and recently in a new job. I'd like to hear more about that, but would love for you to tell us what your uh, forecast is for the women's basketball season, what you're looking forward to, uh, players are looking forward to watching. So a bunch of questions all in a row meant to set you up to talk for a while. Ashley, tell us what you're thinking about.
4: Love it. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me back. It's great to be here. Uh, It's an exciting time. I think As we all know, I think the last time we spoke, sports had really barely taken back off yet generally, uh, with the exception of, I think, the NBA and and Major League Baseball. So... It's been a uh, great time to get some of that back on. I finally have ESPN back on in the background all day every day, which is nice, and we've had some you know some exciting games to watch with Navy football. So uh, you know one cool thing I've been following that I think the Navy women's basketball team has just done an excellent job of, is really following and updating their social media. Um, and that includes Coach Taylor. Uh, I've seen a big spree of, or of Instagram posts for the Navy women's basketball team, whether it's the trivia, uh, some of the interviews they've done and a couple of the focuses they've done on alumni. And I think it really just lines up really well with what they've always done, which is keep the entire organization really close together, keeping in touch with the alumni, but really generating some excitement for the season. Uh, it's it's a pretty cool view into their practices and seeing, you know, A, that they're just working super hard. I think one of the things that's really stood out to me as a former player is they've continued their development with having some of the, uh, the men's practice players there. And from what I've seen, granted, you know, it's, it's hard to get a real gauge of what the team looks like, but they look super athletic. Um, they look like they're working super hard, uh, but they also just look like they're having a, a ton of fun and the team looks like they're gelling. So I'm glad to see that that has remained consistent uh, from the previous coaching tenure because to me, that's what always stood out during Pemper's time frame there was really that excitement and the team unity. Um, so it looks like Coach Taylor and the assistants have done a really good job of carrying that through. Um, I know there's a bunch of players I'm excited to watch. I think I personally am biased. Sophie, the captain this year, is also a Western Mass native. We don't have a ton of women's basketball players that have come out of Western Mass that have gone on to play uh, on the D1 realm, but let alone at Navy. So I've been excited to watch her progress since her freshman year. Uh, She actually played for or was, I think she was given the ball on her 1,000-point high school night by my teammate, uh, who ended up, I think, as a coach and uh, mentor in the South Hadley area where she's from. So that's pretty. That was pretty cool for me. It also made me feel old, but uh, but it's been cool to watch her come up. So I'm definitely excited to watch her this season. Uh, I mean, there are just a number of players out there that I think they've just done a great job of, of getting talent. Um, you know, the one thing that has always been cool about Navy women's basketball is they just they play without an ego. They're they're so humble. And last year we got the opportunity at Courtney's uh, jersey retirement ceremony to sit with a few of them, they sort of scattered them around the various alumni tables. Uh, and we had the opportunity to, to meet and greet with quite a few of them. And again, they're just fun loving, uh, really good friends, all those same characteristics, which, you know, they, those things really carry over the core. And I think that's what's made Navy so successful these past decade or so. Uh, is the ability to, to sort of uh, be on each other's team more or less. So uh, that's that's big stuff on the Navy women's
0: basketball side. How do you think it would go, and not that you played in front of empty arenas in, in West Mass, playing in an empty arena, you know, it, being that you generally get so much energy off of the crowd, how do you think you would have handled that should that have been your playing scenario?
4: That's a great question. I have so much empathy for these kids because it's, it's definitely difficult and not what you envision especially for the seniors, you know, as you go into your final season at Navy, where, again, you don't have the opportunity of some other schools to sit out or redshirt or things like that. So um, what I will say is we were very lucky, and I think this is still carried on, where the, the local Annapolis community does such a great job of, of becoming these su- su- sort of super fans, and they kind of align with every sport. And we definitely had our fair share of those. Um, and so the for us, even though we didn't necessarily have packed houses to play in front of we definitely had a dedicated fan base and and that meant a lot to us um we had a lot of local families too that would come in so i think it would be really difficult you know to miss out on that aspect what i will say is navy's just been so traditionally competitive both with other teams as with each other that i don't really see that playing a big part i think these women are so competitive they challenge themselves every day and i don't think that tenacity will really you know fall off anywhere between the practices and the game court. So I actually think there won't be much of a difference uh, in terms of how it affects them. Again, I just I feel for them more from the standpoint that it's fun and really exciting to play in front of some of these fans and you like to show up for them as well and give them something fun to watch. Um, but the women's team has just done a great job of that year after year. Let's get back to the origins of your aviation career in
0: that tonight is a really big night in the, in, in the lives of these seniors. And there are three seniors on the teams, Swanda, uh, Sophie, the captain, and then Jasmine Bishop. And, you know, the three, the three seniors are going to open envelopes tonight and see what their future holds. Can you kind of bring us back in time and let us know, what was that like for you? What were you hoping for? Um, you know, was, was NFO or, or, or was Wizzo your first choice? And then, and then, how did that go? Because I know that when I was there as the PAO, service selection, you know, was always done on a Thursday night, and then Friday was when every single mid was showing up to class hungover, you know, either happily or with a lot of a lot of regret. So, bring us back in time and walk us through how how you got your service assignment.
4: That's a fun question because it's honestly one of the best memories I have from school, and also, again, probably to your point probably one of the days, the next day is probably one of the worst, uh, hangovers I've had. But that being said, um, I think it's I think it's especially cool when you're in season on the basketball team, because, you know, when I was a firstie in the class of 2006, we had three firsties on the team. So it was myself, Lauren Skrell at the time and Meredith Addington. Um, and all three of us service selected pilot. And I, I initially was a pilot, um, up until pretty late in the year. Uh, and I mean, it was, It was exciting for a lot of reasons because we were best friends too. We were so lucky that we played on a team where on and off the court, we were like sisters, but we knew we were gonna live together in Pensacola, like that was gonna set us up well. And we sorta knew that would tie in with our relationship. And even beyond that, I mean, some of the other players that had chosen not to play their last couple of years, Caroline Sider, Adrian Baser, all picked Pilot uh, and we all got it. And so we all ended up knowing that our next couple of years was was gonna be a blast, but I think what was cool about it happening during the season was we all had a chance to sort of come together and realize that this was our last chance to play basketball. Uh, It made things very real for us very quickly. You know, we knew what we were going to be doing after graduation. As aviators in the year 2006, you know, we were still fairly fresh off 9-11. So it was uncertain, you know, what that next couple of years would look like in terms of deployment or where in the world we'd end up. And so I think it made us appreciate that last season we had together because, you know, we knew it was probably the last basketball we were really going to ever play in a competitive environment. And so what I would say to these seniors um, is, is first and foremost, good luck. I hope they all get their choice. Uh, Second, if they don't, their lives are going to be awesome regardless. I mean, I could (laughs) pair them with any number of my friends, classmates, teammates, et cetera, that didn't get their first selection. Uh, and they'd be happy to hear that, you know, things worked out exactly as they were supposed to for them. Uh, and so, you know, they're entering into a community that's excited and ready to have them. And third, I, and I hope they find some way to celebrate. I mean, it sounds like when I'm hearing through the the rumblings, it's, it's life's pretty tough on the yard right now. Uh, you know, a lot of uncertainty and not a lot of communication necessarily coming into them, which is understandable. It's, there's a lot of moving parts, but I hope that they're finding the chance to sort of celebrate their accomplishments and understand that what they're going to do is still all about what they they signed up to do in the first place. Nothing there has changed Um, and the fleet's definitely ready for them. Um, And so again, I just, I trade places with any of these seniors in a heartbeat right now to go back and do this all again.
0: So to go back and do it all again, you know, bring us back in time a bit more um, and, and we might have asked you this, you know, the first time you were on the pod, I don't think so. Did you always want to do that? You know, did you always picture yourself in a cockpit? Did you always picture yourself playing Division I basketball? You know, As you're growing up, and, and I'm the, the father of a junior in high school right now, and one day he's going to be an astronaut, and one day he's going to be you know, a guy who's you know, sweeping streets. So if from your perspective, how did you evolve, and then how did you um yeah who was the most influential person in your life at the naval academy that got you to where you wanted to be an aviator
4: you know going back to when i entered the naval academy you know as a basketball recruit i had no idea what i was getting myself into i I did from the standpoint that the coaches were actually very transparent and straightforward and and explained what we would be you know what we would owe and what our commitment was but in you know in the the mind of a 17 year old kid i was really going to get the chance to go play basketball in college which to your question about is that what I always wanted to do? Absolutely. Like I, I had a, I have a book I still have from when I was, I think, in fifth grade. I reached out to Rebecca Lobo, another Western Mass native, and said, "Hey, my dream is this. I want to start a women's NBA." And she actually like hand wrote me a letter back saying, "I hope you get to start that one day too." And so, I mean, from a very early age, my life was all about basketball, and so I knew the classroom was going to be my biggest key to get there. I was, I was sort of a a coach's player, less of a natural gifted, talented athlete, and so because I cared so much about school, and my parents emphasized that so much, um, I knew that having the combination of, of, you know, a good athletic career but also a good academic background would be the ticket, and the Naval Academy ended up being that place that afforded it. In terms of my background and family, I didn't come from a traditional military background. Um, I knew some about the Navy from my grandfathers, but very little. And so I was really confused when I got there and nervous. And I think I told people off the bat that I wanted to major in English and be a surface warfare officer because it was like the only thing I'd heard of. Um, but that changed quickly and multiple times. So, you know, I get to my youngster year, I did a surf or a, uh, aviation cruise out in an E2 squadron with one VAW 126, and that was awesome but I knew I didn't want to fly E-2s because I knew I didn't want to be in the (laughs) backseat and risk that if I became an NFO, um, just because I did not feel that great uh, back there. And so I sort of started to, you know, be a little bit more inclined towards aviation. And then I did Marine Week and I thought I wanted to be a Marine. And that took some long, hard talks from my father to convince me out of that one. Not because there's anything wrong with it, just because he knew that, you know, if I wanted to go aviation at the end of the day, the funding was a little bit more apropos in the Navy. and it's still, you know, it was still a bit of a boys club in the Marine days back then. So again, it was, it was a lot. I changed quite a few times. And then, as I mentioned earlier, even the pilot thing, I, I actually had a pretty heartbreaking morning, uh, morning after hundreds night. So, you know, you have a hundred days left till graduation, you know, you're really excited. Basketball season was over. It was kind of a, you know, free for all lacrosse spring semester. Things were fun. And, um, Yeah, I got the email the morning after at like 8 a.m. that I had to go see the flight surgeon about some changes to my eligibility for pilot. And I had had eye surgery when I was a little kid, didn't know it would affect me. Um, And so I got that heartbreaking message that I could no longer be a pilot, go back to the drawing board. And I actually, you know, in terms of my motivation to be a pilot in the first place really came from Lisa Steinmetz and Courtney Davidson. Um, just because I'd seen them sort of go up the ranks and do it. And they were just, they'd always been mentors of mine throughout the academy. And so it just felt natural to sort of try to follow their aspirations. Um, so I reached out to them to figure out what to do next. You know, as you guys know, NFO isn't necessarily held in the highest regard, unfortunately, at the Naval Academy. And I, I don't really know why that is. Um, and it's, it's pretty frustrating looking back on it because I was like, hey, I, ha- I did well in class. I worked really hard. I was, you know, top of my class-ish, you know, top third, I'll say. Um, And I just felt like, you know, I'd worked that hard. I I wanted to get something that was held in high regard. So I was lucky. My coach at the time, Tom Marriott's dad, was an NFO. Uh, And so he had helped sat me down. But he actually referred me to uh, Captain Parker and walked me over to his uh, spot and some other aviators on the yard. And literally, I mean, everybody told me, still go NFO you know, you'll, you'll regret every day of your life that you don't, um, which again, I'm sure surface and Marine Corps and all those things would have been great. Um, but you know, that was essentially what led me there and I feel very lucky that I had that support from the team.
0: Well, as I let you go, um, you know, the, the Celtics drafted Aaron Naismith and what I thought was the steal of the draft Peyton Pritchard, uh, at 26 from Oregon. Um, I know that you're going to love him because he's a three point shooter um, you know, is that your new favorite player? Is that, is that your, uh, is that your, you know, your favorite Celtic going forward?
4: Uh, he might be, you know, I didn't know much about him, but of course I watched the highlight reel a million times last night after the draft. Uh, first and foremost, that draft, I don't know if someone was cutting onions or what, but that was like the most emotional, awesome draft I've seen in a long time. Uh, those, those players, I just, I'm so happy for him after such a tough down season, but yeah, for sure he's nasty and I like his deep three threat. Um, as you know, the Celtics could use a couple more shooters with beyond Kemba and, and Tatum, and I think that rounds out their point guard. I mean, I haven't seen a true point guard come across besides Kemba in the league in a while. Um, and so I, we're excited to see a, a sort of double threat there in terms of shooting and true point guard capabilities. So I'm It'll be interesting.
0: Hells so good talking to you about the team. Let's hope that next Friday we're, we're able to see them play Mason and then break it down after that. Um, we certainly expect you to join us going forward to, to – Offer your insight as a former player, and uh, and thank you so much for supporting uh, Sing Second Sports. Any final words you want to offer to the brigade as they go through kind of a new Dark Ages, I guess? You know, going from you know what it used to be to staying on the yard through Thanksgiving. What what words of support
4: do you have to offer as we go out? I mean, the first thing to know is just that the alumni are all here for them. So you know, I, and as much as we can support them directly, whether that's sending care packages or reaching out for one-on-one, mentorship, Zooms, et cetera, uh, we're all here for them. Uh, also, just do what you can to make yourself happy, whether it's short-term or long-term. If any alumni or anyone's telling you, hey, you know, the fleet's even worse than this or those kind of bogus messages, um, you know, don't listen to them. You know, it's it's uh, you're at the Naval Academy. This should be the, one of the better parts of your career, and you're not in an operational squadron. So just uh, keep it going, keep the momentum, and we're all cheering for you.
0: Incredibly wise words from a, a great alumnus and, uh, and a great supporter of the Sync Second Sports podcast. Uh, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Pete Medhurst to talk about not only football being canceled, but what he expects to see as we go forward, um, you know, seeing the men's team next week not only play their first game against George Washington, but then playing the Maryland Terrapins on Friday. Let's hope all this stuff happens. Stick with us. This is Sync Second Sports. We'll be right back.
3: You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at We Sing Second. That's at We Sing Second. Now back to the pod.
0: We are so happy to be joined by Pete Medhurst, who is just about to enter what is normally the busiest time of his life. I mean, he's always the hardest working man in sports, you know, doing horse racing and basketball and lacrosse and football. Uh, He's had the last two weeks off with uh, Navy football and now a third week off with the South Florida game being canceled. Now, uh, you know, this coming week is supposed to be the Navy men's and women's basketball season uh, beginning. So Pete, let me, let me just start it off. Number one, what has this been like for you calling games from Navy Marine Corps stadium for games that are away, um, you know, and, and also at home. And then what do you think is going to happen next week as we get into the basketball season?
5: Uh, I think we're going to pray, uh, for basketball season. We're going to pray that every game that is scheduled, they're spread out. Uh, and we're going to pray that we're going to play them all. Uh, that's really the only thing that you can, uh, You can do right now, uh, to be honest with you. I mean, um, you know, the virus is going to tell us when we can play and when we can't. Uh, It's real simple. Uh, You know, you're hoping that, you know, you get the game with GW going next week and then you go that weekend, you play Maryland, um, measure yourself against the Big Ten opponent and see what happens and then, you know, hopefully go from there. I mean, after the Georgetown game on the first, you got a big break until uh, the 16th because of exams and everything like that, like normal. So you've got some time. Uh, And then you're hoping that in January, the ambitious schedule of playing Saturday and Sunday on the weekends, which um, in many respects, uh, I I think it's a good move by the Patriot League and the other leagues that are doing something similar. Uh, It's your best chance, in my opinion, uh, to get games in. And at this point, I don't think it really matters how many you get in Uh, overall. You're going to make the effort. That's all you can do. And the virus is going to eventually tell you how many games you can play. Ward. So, uh,
2: Pete, what's your uh, temperature on the balance of the football season
5: based on USF? Yeah, I mean, I I think there's no question that, you know, unlike some other institutions who appear to be dodging games right now, um, Navy's going to play. We're going to try and play as many games, give our kids as many football games as they possibly can. Uh, I hope, you know, beyond hope for our kids, they get a chance to come into Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium at least one more time and play. Uh, I don't care if they win or lose. I I just want them to have that ability to come into that stadium one more time, have a senior day of some kind. Obviously, they're not going to have their parents walking them in the stadium like uh, all the senior classes before them. But I want those young men to have the opportunity uh, to do it at least one more time. And they were robbed of that because of the the COVID cancellations. And I applaud the American Athletic Conference, Navy, and the other member institutions for being flexible enough uh, to try and pull this off. Uh, coming up uh, hopefully on the 28th and uh, there's rumor about the fifth too we can only hope uh, right now uh, that uh, again you join a conference to play great opponents and we've got great opponents in the league and these games mean a lot for us Memphis and Tulsa uh, as well so that's why you try to play them and play as many as you can
2: and uh, maybe this is known but is the brigade allowed to attend or has that been taken off the table?
5: I, I think those are going to be on a week-by-week basis uh, based on our local protocols right now, which, quite frankly, are not good. Uh, and, you know, as a result of that, you know, I'm not sure you're going to get members of the brigade in there. Uh, obviously, NAAA and the Academy made a great try to have them in the stadium a couple of times this season. But again, you know, we've got we've to err on the side of caution as much as possible uh, for the 4,400 kids that uh, attend. Uh, the Naval Academy at this point and ultimately as we know with selections uh, being made today for service selection you know ultimately what they're going to do uh, is dictated by what they're finding out today. That's what they're there for eventually. Uh, Football and and the other sports just happen to be uh, a great way to uh, apply the physical mission and to get ready uh, for uh, those activities that uh, many will go on to uh, upon graduation coming up in May.
0: That's so, Pete, sure. you, you have called a, a, an amazing number of games and great venues. Have you ever called a game or have you ever been in Mikey Stadium?
5: Oh, yeah, I've done lacrosse there. Uh, so it's terrific venue for lacrosse, and um, I'm sure it's a great venue for for football. I mean, at this point, these two sides just want to play. And if it would have been Navy's home game this year and the game was in Annapolis, you know, Army Army would show up and come play the game here, just like we're going to get on the bus and we're going to go show up there uh, and, and play the game. So uh, from that standpoint, you know, just like Philadelphia, it's going to be cold probably on December the 12th. Maybe we get lucky uh, and get a 40-degree day on the banks of the Hudson because, uh, you know, I mean, I've, I've been up there during basketball season, and let me tell you, it gets mighty cold in places like Army and Colgate and Holy Cross uh, during the course uh, of the winter sports season, so uh, we're prepared for whatever whatever comes uh, whatever comes our way, and I know the football team will be uh, equally as prepared because look, it's it's about competing Army versus Navy, and uh, that's what it's that, that's what the ultimate
0: goal is for both teams. So, would you call that game from Mikey, or would
5: um, we're you know we're going to do it from Mikey? I mean, we're scheduled to do it at Mikey Stadium as of right now, and you know from what I understand, we're going to have to take some kind of COVID tests and show that within three days of going that it's got to be you've got a negative test. So, I mean, that's going to be a little shaky. Uh, I'm not too fond of people sticking things up my nose as I've seen other people get done. Um, But, you know, if that's what it means for us to broadcast the Army-Navy game, we owe it to those kids uh, ourselves to go do it. They've been getting tested multiple times per week. So uh, they're pros at it uh, by now. Uh, you know, us, us old Codgers will just have to figure out a way to do it so we can be there uh, for that great game.
0: So last question from me before I kick it over to Ward uh, to end the segment. So the last time we played Maryland, not to look past the Colonials, which I have a lot, I have a lot of respect for the George Washington Colonials, but the last time Maryland, uh, Navy played Maryland in Alumni Hall for the uh, Veterans Classic, uh, Jalen Smith is, I, I believe, uh, you know, a freshman Um, you know, this team that Maryland's going to bring in for this game, hopefully they play it, will be very athletic. Aaron Wiggins, Daryl Morcel, a lot of local kids, you know, but unfortunately a lot of local kids whose families are probably not going to be able to see them play. What do you expect to see in these first games? You know, not that the George Washington game is a throwaway, but then all of a sudden you're playing a team that tied for the big 10 title last year and, and lost a guy who, by the way, went number 10 in the draft last night, which was amazing. How do you think um, that's going to go as we get into a basketball season that's very tumultuous, and then all of a sudden you're playing the defending Big Ten champions?
5: Well, I, And I think you bring up a good point. I mean, look, Jalen Smith is picked by Phoenix uh, at number 10. They also lose Anthony Cowan, who was a terrific point guard, uh, who at times is a guy that is unguardable. I thought I thought he was so good. Uh, at the guard position, creating his own offense uh, when they needed it for the University of Maryland. Surprisingly, he didn't get picked, but he'll probably sign with somebody with a two-way contract for the G League. Look, I mean, you're a Big Ten team. You're going to have a certain level of talent if you're doing your job, um, you know, from a recruiting standpoint. So they're going to have material. The good thing for Navy is they've got an experienced group coming back. And, you know, they can at least make it a game. Uh, You make some shots and you look up with five minutes to go and you go, Hey, maybe, maybe we have a chance here because our guys are going to go play to win the game. I mean, I, I think that's the, that's the thing people go, you're, you know, you're playing this Herculean team. Yeah, sure. But if I'm a team in the Patriot league and Bucknell does this, they go out and play a great challenging schedule. If I'm a team in the Patriot league, I'm playing as many P5 people as I can, because you know what? Our, our league's only getting one bid. We're only getting one bid. Why not go test yourself? And we're going to do that, playing George Washington and playing Maryland and playing Georgetown. And then we're going to get, you know, a a really solid Delaware club and, and a Morgan State team that's going to be better with Kevin Broadus up there coaching and recruiting and doing a good job. So why not go play people that are going to make you better? I mean, sure, if you lose a couple of those games, you're supposed to anyway, but it makes you better when you go play better people. So by the time you play in the Patriot League, and that's why Bucknell's been so good. They go out and challenge themselves in the non-conference, and then they're ready for these tough games uh, come Patriot League time. So, Pete, let's imagine that we have a vaccine
2: next spring. I don't know if it'll be in time to do a normal lacrosse season and, and so forth, but let's, again, pivot back to football, and and we're able to do a regular spring football, regular conditioning into practice, into uh, a normal, quote-unquote, fall season. Um, so. Regardless of what happens this year with the balance of the season, what do you think – where are we? What has what this season done for
5: to Coach Niamat's team? I don't think it's really – I mean, look, the, the, the success of the program speaks for itself. And as I've said all along on our It's College Football Cast, the Joe Miller, uh, podcast that Joe Miller and I do, I, I'm not holding anybody responsible. You know, had South Carolina not fi- fired Will Muschamp, I wouldn't have been surprised had they kept him because I don't know how you can judge players and I don't know how you can uh, crush coaches for performance this year because uh, the preparation is not the same on a, on a day-to-day basis. So from that standpoint, I, I, I don't think it matters what the record is uh, this year. We've played great competition, so whatever the record is going to be, it's going to be. And, you know, you just get ready for next season and try and reload again because this isn't a program under, in the triple option era – they never rebuild. They just reload. And that's all they're going to do this coming offseason. Uh, they'll just reload and get ready uh, for 2021. That's why they've been so successful under and Neomatololo on a year-by-year basis.
0: Yeah, I like that. Amazing okay. perspective from the voice of Naval Academy Sports. Um, Pete Medhurst, thank you so much for making time. We know you got to get to your 425 segment. <laughs> so thank you again. And we, will, we look forward to talking to you as we start breaking down basketball games. Hopefully there are basketball games.
5: Appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right.
0: Thanks thanks, Pete. Pete. Hey, so we're going to go to break Uh, again. That was Pete Medhurst. So, so great to be joined by Pete, Ashley Pelzik. Uh, When we come back, we will, uh, we will take it out, do our predictions. Uh, This is Sing Second sports stick with us.
3: If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, please shoot us a DM at we sing second. That's at we sing second. There are a number of national and local sponsorships still available.
0: All right, we're back. Uh, What an awesome conversation with Ashley Pelzik and Pete Medhurst. Pete Medhurst, I'll tell you what. I mean, Pete just has an awesome perspective on everything. Um, On the horizon, it's not football, um, but, you know, Navy basketball, WAGs, you're going to be talking to Cam. um, Cam Davis, you're going to be talking to Ed DeChellis. What do you see happening going forward? Um, And give us kind of your your assessment of sports writ large between now and our next pod. Well, it's exciting that Navy basketball is getting underway.
1: Uh, Navy, as you mentioned, will host George Washington next Wednesday. They're calling it the Veterans Classic, although it is nothing like Veterans Classic that's been held in the past. It's just a single game without any event whatsoever. And uh, that'll be interesting Wednesday. And as you said, Navy – Men's basketball heads to Maryland for a nice matchup on Friday. And women's basketball also gets underway Friday. They play George Mason. And uh, Navy men's basketball has a lot of returning talent. They have four or five starters back and several key reserves. And I think Navy men's basketball is going to be predicted to compete for the Patriot League Championship. Women's basketball is rebuilding under Coach Tim Taylor. I like Coach Tim Taylor a lot. I think he's going to do well at Navy. He's already recruiting well. um, But, you know, I I don't know what is on in the cupboard this season for Navy. I know they brought Colby Green back to the program. She's a very talented player. Uh, She had left Navy basketball uh, under previous coach Stephanie Pemper. And I'm glad to see that she's been welcomed back to the program because she'll help. So uh, looking forward to basketball season getting underway. And I think you're going to see a lot of what we've been seeing with football cancellations.
0: Scheduled games not being held. Uh, we'll see how far we go. Ward, I'll kick it to you. Amidst all of this debate, um, you know, here, are we playing a game? Or are we not playing a game? Is this important or is that important? Um, tonight, as we record this, Thursday, uh, November 19th, um, a pretty important event is happening on the yard.
2: You're referring to service selection? Which is pretty much the, besides I day and tossing your cap in the air, uh, one of the most important evenings in the life of a midshipman because it determines what your career path is going to be for the next five to 25 years. Uh, So it's an evening full of anticipation. Uh, Most times it's also filled with joy. Sometimes there's heart break because people don't get what they wanted. Um, and when I hear that, I always tell the midshipmen that they will love whatever it is they get. And as we know, as graybeards, life is sometimes, what do you do with the choice you didn't want or didn't think you would have? So, I mean, it's, it's all good news, right? The Naval Academy hires all of its graduates. I remember back when I selected, um, we used to listen to the radio, you know, WNRV, uh, was the midshipman run radio station. And you'd be, you'd have it dialed in, in your room on your stereo. And they'd say, okay, uh, number one through 50, come down to smoke hall and, uh, and get your pick. Right. And and so you'd wander down there and you'd be in smoke hall and you'd wander over to the table for the warfare special you want. And they'd tell you whether it's available or not. And maybe they'd have something cool like a patch or um, some other, a coffee mug or something to, to recognize that you you got your choice. In my case, it was, it was Naval flight officer. Um, my eyes were bad and I had had the opportunity to fly in the backseat of an F-4 out in Kaneohe, Hawaii, and, and was very much determined to get uh, not just NFO, but also radar intercept officer. And I was lucky enough in flight school to get my choice, and uh, and uh, the rest is uh, movie history. Um, so You were
0: definitely in that, like, 1 to 50 group, right? Like, your order of merit no, was, what, no, 9, 10? No, well,
2: no, no, no. I was 564 <laughs> um, was my order. Just smack dab in the middle.
0: Uh, Chris, our intrepid producer, I'll hand it over to you for any final words. Well,
3: it's also one of those folks that... Um, selected navy pilot uh had dreams of being a a blue angel and a squadron co and uh got down to the flight pipeline and it wasn't to be uh for a variety of of comfort and health issues in the airplane and um i I think that the advice that you and ward gave uh and hopefully there are great listening that are shaking their head right now um it's a great night in in that you're very excited it's uh Huge uh, camaraderie uh, solidifier between you and your classmates. Uh, And then you get an opportunity to kind of meet new folks as you start to think about less about your company and your class and more about the community that you're going to go into. Um, But it is just step one on um, a journey that is many, many, many steps long. Uh, So uh, I wish the mids a lot of luck. And I think right now, and correct me if I'm wrong, they find out this week, as you said, and then they actually do the selection of either platform or school date sometime after the new year. So there's more celebration then. So this is, again, really kind of step one and and a multi-step process to getting to the fleet.
0: Yep. Ship selection night is usually, um, in January. So hopefully, uh, with COVID being what it is, um, or what it might be in January, we can do something special in and around there and chronicle what athletes pick what ships, um, and as we get closer to graduation. So, um, great discussion, great perspective. As always, I really thank Ward Carroll, uh, for, um, all of his contributions. Really thank Bill Wagner for making time out of uh, his schedule where he's trying to file multiple stories right now, um, and Chris Cervello, who just drove many, many, many hours uh, two days ago in order to get home from Palm Coast, Florida. And a special thank you and welcome aboard to our latest sponsor, Academy Consulting. Uh, Academy Consulting is owned and operated by Nate Connor, a good friend of the pod and class of 1999 96 plus 3 yet. Academy does big and small infrastructure work nationwide, road clearing, paving, you name it. Um, We will hear more from them um, in the near future. Thank you to Nate for his support and his efforts, and we look forward to working with Academy Consulting in the future. Uh, one last note before we go, as Thanksgiving is around the corner, Um I'd like to reiterate uh, the support of Mills Fine Wine and Spirits. I'd also like to remind our listeners about their delivery services. COVID ramps up. Um, please take advantage of Mills' uh, delivery service in the Annapolis area. All you need is a $50 minimum order and an Annapolis address. Uh, please get your orders in early as it will be a very busy week. You will get 20% off same or mixed wine cases. The inventory is online on the Mills website. Please text, email, or call Jerry, Jen, and their dedicated staff at Mills Fine Wine and Spirits. So again, um, this is the Sync Second Sports Podcast. Please have a good week. Please be safe. Uh, please wear a mask. And for Ward, Chris, and Wags, I am John. We are out.